You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Michael, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Hey everybody, welcome back one more time to Kapow, the pop cultured podcast. My name is Jordan Lowe. I'm Cliff I'm Clark. The <laughs> Take two. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, let's decide now the order. <laughs> this could be a fraught argument of who goes where. I'll go third. I it know does, it doesn't matter to me. Goes. I don't Steph care. always goes last. Okay. I was just kidding about take two. We don't do that. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I'm Seth. <laughs> it's raw and uncut, baby. Oh, that'd be fun to edit. Cliff is dressed like a pirate tonight, if you are lucky enough to see the video. That's right. Feeling my uh, hard. Halloween. It only costs one, one gold doubloon. <laughs> to become a patron and watch the videos of our Zoom calls. That's right. Feeling pretty tropical over here. So is the beach background with the pirate outfit or are those two are you using two apps here? I'm using two filters, a virtual background as well as a apparently Zoom has filters now and uh I just discovered that. Yeah. We could all be doing this, Jordan. Mm-hmm. We could all have long gun silvers hats on. <laughs> and Michael got a webcam, so he's got a stationary visual from a very high uh, angle. It's kind of the view like if you see some guy peeing by a dumpster. <laughs> I was thinking that a 7-Eleven about to get robbed. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let's remember this. Like I face. said, I got a fixed camera, so nothing could happen. <laughs> We're all from, it was from the waist up. A good clean shot. That's why it's so high. <laughs> he he was yeah. he was avoiding that crotch shot. <laughs> How you guys been this week? Hmm. Been a week. <sighs> like riding a bike, you guys. Yeah, there's a bunch of birds bike. outside today. I was telling Cliff before you guys got here, there was like a thousand birds up up by our houses. It was looked like I was in the movie The Birds. There was like, I mean, it was tons of them. What's that girl that lives with you, Cliff? Who's it? Uh, Bree Cooper's. Yeah. yeah, she was like pulling in there, and mm-hmm. I was waiting for one of them to like, you know, swoop tell down. the other ones, "Come on, let's go," and just like swarm <laughs> her all out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think she noticed them, but there was a lot of birds. Anyway. Hey, I had a note um, from our last episode when I got really excited about that, that new Father of the Bride 3 uh, teaser. Right. Did anybody go any further with that? Because the like, next the, the next day, I discovered, in fact, it was, uh, it was not a new movie. Oh, it was but, a Zoom, thing but it was a it was a Zoom thing, and it, it's on YouTube, um, and it's called Father of the Bride Three ish. It's about a half hour long. This is supposed to be news. We're a news source. 
Well, and we just told them we told them there was going to be a movie. Get excited! <laughs> yeah. So uh, in my excitement, I I didn't realize I didn't look into it any further. Um, but I did discover. I I watched the whole thing. Totally mm-hmm. worth a watch. It's all the original cast, um, as well as a couple newcomers uh, playing a couple new roles in it, and. Um, it was really good. It had a nice little script to it. It was it was put together well. Um and, and this one Maddie Maddie is going to going to get married. So uh Kieran Culkin is back and uh we even got a little bit of Franck in there at the end. I I really enjoyed it. Probably what the best of of that type of thing I've seen so far. So you don't have to wait. Cool. Hey, let's do a time travel thing. I read another book. It's just a jump to the left. With your hands on your hip. All right, here it is. It's called Time and Again by Jack Finney. Can you see it? I think it's from uh, around 1970. It's pretty, you know, I was looking at a lot of reviews to try to find actually, you know, supposedly good time travel books. And this one is famous. Like, people love this guy for writing time travel stories. And I read it several weeks ago and it's um it, even Stephen King right here this is the great time travel story according to Stephen King I think that's probably what put me over the edge okay well the concept first I like to say what the concept of the time travel this this the way they time travel in this is there's some sort of science to it and they kind of just kind of make you believe that you're living in that time. He, the guy like goes and like lives in, in this little house or whatever. And uh, just for a few days. And then finally when he goes out his door. He's there. He's in that, that time. It's weird. It's weird. Um, basically what I would say about this book is for the first 300 pages, which is a long, that's a lot of pages for the book to not be great. It's like, he does a lot of explaining about what it looks like back then. Cause they're like in, uh, when they're putting up the statue of Liberty, it's like, so, you know, hundred some years ago. And it's so what old timey New York looked like. And he's walking around describing it. And this is like the illustrated version or whatever. So it's showing pictures of back then. And, and it's just like, you don't care. You just don't care. I don't yeah. know. And it just kept talking about that. It's very whimsical. It's a very, I w- definitely, that's the word to describe it. Just la-di-da talking about things going on. A- after like 300 pages though, an actual story happens. There's like the meat of the book where he's with this woman from that time. And they, there's some action and danger and how they affect what happened back then and all this. And the last, you know, 
couple hundred pages are real exciting and good, and I enjoyed it. So at least it finished well, but you just have to get through the first 300 pages. Only. Anyway. Yeah, I had a, a writing professor in college. Like the, the advice that stuck with me the longest was write your first draft and then cut like the first third of it. Because you, you always have a tendency to, I want to explain everything and I want to tell you all about my character and tell you about the setting. And you shouldn't do that. You should just jump into it. So it sounds like he should have cut the first like nine tenths of the book. Well, Stephen King's telling is great. <laughs> anyway, so that was the one for this, this hmm. time. That doesn't sound like it'd be a very good movie. No, no. Speaking of movies, <laughs> let's guy. speak about movies. It's a pro. It's a pro. <laughs> Somebody has to be. <laughs> <laughs> Save Martha! Puny God. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. I'm Batman. Kneel before the sun! Under roof! Set it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. So what's it gonna be, huh? Long, sullen silence? Or mean comment? Go on. You got me in a box here. <laughs> Alright, we had some uh, bad news, I guess. Regal Theaters closing down. They had just reopened just a few months earlier. And now... 300 or sorry 536 locations all of them shut down 7,000 screens 40,000 plus employees all shut down at the moment less than two months after reopening uh every article i saw said blamed no time to die the james bond movie being pushed to 2021 as like the final straw that that was the last chance they had to you know that there were going to be any movies open this year. And the guy uh, the guy in charge called it, quote, an increasingly challenging theatrical landscape. I, I think that's <laughs> probably underselling yeah. it a little bit. Right, no kidding. So that's what, uh, if you're local, that's the theater at our mall. is a regal. Yeah. yeah. Do we have much confidence that theaters are ever going to actually reopen with real movies? Again, well, the Regal is the second largest chain in America. The largest one is AMC, and they came out and said they are not closing down. In July, they made a deal with Universal Pictures to shorten the time before something would go on demand. So it used to be if something had to be in the theaters at least 90 days before you could put it on demand, and they shortened it to just 17. So they made a deal to shorten that, and in return, AMC gets a cut of the theatrical revenue and the home revenue. So AMC and Universal, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Mm -hmm. And they have five Universal movies opening between now and Christmas. They're supposed to be like big budget, you know, popcorn movies that AMC is going to stay open. And whether people can get out to it or not, or if they just stay home, they're gonna they're gonna make some money at least. So somebody had the foresight to look ahead and kind of plan what the rest of this year was gonna look like. Yeah, I don't know the future of this. It seems really crazy, but I they can't afford to stay open. Eventually, they're just not gonna be able to do it. And mm -hmm. 
because nobody's it's all about they're not being movies i mean they're not going to give them movies to put out and and you know they were barely hanging on anyway yeah that was the movie theaters were in trouble they yeah. were in trouble and it's how and, do we save our theaters and that this was the i don't know if it's the last straw or not the only money they were making was concessions and now people are trying to wear masks and go it's like they're not like eating yeah. much food so it's a it's a mess i mean it's a, it, i i don't really know i i want part of me thinks it's going to be like such a, a niche thing to do like ha- these art house theaters like it's just more of a, ra- a rare occurrence that you go to a movie but then like how do they stay open yeah how do you stay how do, yeah exactly i i had the thought the other day i was thinking about that and i thought is this going to be how we get the drive-ins back are we going to start seeing drive-in I, movie, I'm sure, movies I again no, i mean they, they're already doing that across the i know california is a lot of driving more drive-in things and uh recently because of this it's just so crappy it's like there's no quality there's <laughs> no just no quality and that's like why what's the point why go set your car and watch I, something I, when when because nowadays we all have big screen TVs and mm-hmm. I mean it's so much better experience at home. Why bother going to a drive? I think a lot of it is, you know, if, if the movie theater, the traditional theater closes, um, people just want to get out. Some people just want to get out. Oh, and, I'm, uh, I'm sure. I just don't it, think that's what they're going to go do. It, I don't know. I mean, that might be an alternative that, you know, existed in the past. That... Oh, I, I, I agree. It's going to be there as an option, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be a bunch of new movies on there. You're going to just be watching Groundhog Day. And that's just like we're getting at our theaters right now. You're going to be able to just see from any era. They'll just be like, oh, we're showing this now. We're showing that. Yeah. How do you sustain the, you know, movie budgets have gone up and up and up. You know, how do you sustain these $200 million Marvel movies through, oh, we're going to stream some. We're going to have a few drive it. Like you have Mm. to have that infrastructure or it doesn't work. So is this the return of like low budget, you know, indie type movies? Are people going to start making things on a shoestring now? Who, Who knows? But that I just know the Regal, that takes up a whole lot of real estate at our mall, mm-hmm. and if it's sitting there empty for months and months, I, you know that's that's got to hurt mall traffic. It's got to hurt all the stores in the mall, the the restaurants. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, small segue to a movie I watched this week. Was it's called Jasper? I think it was just called Jasper. Let me make sure. Small segues are better than no segues, so we're right. going to take it. It's, oh, it's called Jasper Mall. It's a documentary, actually, actually, but it was about a mall. I'm not even positive where it was. Alabama, I think. You know, just because I remember somebody was wearing a Roll Tide shirt at one in it, but it was very similar to just our our mall ain't dying malls our malls actually holding up better than a lot of them but there it's just a, another dying mall that used to be something back in the day in the, in the 80s when they were just everything mm-hmm. and it kind of follows this uh this security guy like maintenance guy around and you see all the p- 
people. You get to learn learn about all the store owners in the mall, and just their and just the struggle of them, you know, trying to keep this place open and what they're call, trying to get businesses there, what their uh, anchor stores are. They used to, how they used to have a, a oh, yeah. Sears and the pennies and all this and now and uh, now they only had they only had a Belk now mm-hmm. and stuff and then they didn't have they only only had one place to eat and things and they're trying to get somebody in there because the people that work there don't even have any place to eat and it's just like it's just dying and dying plus she's like there's uh you know because like at our mall people go there and walk and stuff but there's people there that did that stuff or they these four old guys would sit there and play dominoes every day and it's just like hearing they all kind of gave little stories everybody just like how it used to be and they would show pictures of like the parking lot from back then it's just packed everywhere you know back in the 80s when it was just like where you went and then and now it's like just imagine when we were kids going to the mall compared to what it is like going to the mall now it's just like people were everywhere that going to get a cd at the mall was like you know you might as well crowd surf to go in there and get stuff sometimes there's so many people in the mall and now it's like nothing it was a it was a good dock as far as like just watching the everything you know change and at the mm. end they kind of showed they had some old video and pictures of that particular mall inside back you know back in the day and just crowds of people and stuff it was they have bird like live birds and like we did yeah they had they were like different things like oh i remember those cages in our mall oh yeah freaking the ducks and, around yeah. and stuff yeah the ducks and the little bridge over the ducks and mm-hmm. stuff it was spectacular <laughs> this we also we sound like you know Oh, we went to Woolworths for a malted. No, yeah, it was we J- went to the sock hop. Like I did yeah, go to Woolworths. It's a time. It's a time gone did you, by. Were, guys. were you around for our it's Woolworths? Oh by. yeah, but but when we went to the mall, we went we went to uh, J C Murphy's. I don't know what that. What you don't remember Murphy's? Murphy's? It was one of the anchor I, I stores. I kind of recognize the name. Yeah, and it was it was um kind of like Woolworths. It had a lunch counter and everything. Hmm. That's. I, I, I'm not getting it, but I, be, I believe you. I should remember that if you remember it. So we have another good one for you, but first we want to tell you about Murphy's. Shop at Murphy's downtown for bargains during their inventory sale, which uh, began today at 9 o'clock. They have sheets. You can save it 35 cents on full size and twin size. Pillowcases, 84 cents a pair. So visit Murphy's Pattern Department for first quality merchandise. Always shop Murphy's in downtown Beckley. Open till 5 o'clock today. How was that? Uh, where was it? That that location that you're talking about for that store wasn't isn't that where um, like Dunham's is now? Like it was like a grocery type store at one point. It was it was actually down like to access it. It was down one of the, remember how there used to be like more well, side what, yeah. access. Yeah, that's where like the movie theaters were on yeah. the, the the little side things mm-hmm. where I saw Batman and things like you know. Yeah, yeah, it was it was down one of the sides. I mean, it could be that store, um, just from a different angle, but it it did have, gosh, if I remember correctly, it did have multiple entrances. It was a huge store. It was Sears, Pennies, and Murphy's were the anchor stores, and then you had like the Diamond Store was another big one where, um, later became um, Lazarus. 
I remember Lazarus. I yeah, well, it became that after that. Wow, man, I'd like to say I'd like to see a uh, somebody do like a history on our mall. Just like that would be. I've really seen interesting. photos. Mm-hmm. Somebody's t- has has collected some photos of like the bird cages and the palm trees and the skylights yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, because I mean, so many things you did back involved going to the mall, you know. But I mean, what? I don't, what do you expect that you know the malls destroyed downtown small town big box stores what destroyed the get? mall the internets are going to destroy big box stores so I, I, it's the circle of capitalism right <laughs> for a little history lesson jc murphy was a chain of five and dime or variety stores in the united states from 1906 to 2002 2002 wow yeah Ironically, when this all dies, there's those birds are gonna go back there and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> They've just been waiting. Yeah. I mean, what other mall were? Have you ever been to a mall that had free roaming ducks besides <laughs> ours in the eighties? It was amazing. The, all the big yeah. fountains and the colored lights. I loved it. it I miss that stuff. I really do. I I, do I, I, lo- I like malls. I like. I love the. When when Just, they were so, everything, all, KB toys and <laughs> the what what was the you know they all had a Walden books they all had a what were the I know they had Fye but that wasn't the name of what were the old Record no, Town Record or Town like that? Yeah, yeah we had Record Town yeah Hickory Jeez. Farms yeah come on <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> Go Which there I can your, see that. Got my ears pierced at the mall. You know, everybody got their ears pierced and got what? You got your eyebrows waxed, right, Michael? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, as we get more digital and get everything shipped to our house with a uh, competent mailman, like we might get, we might strive for those kind of experiences. And you want to go somewhere and mm-hmm. actually see a duck and actually see other human beings. So. Who knows? Anyway. I watched the documentary, too. Pretty timely documentary on Amazon Prime called All In, colon, The Fight for Democracy. So this was the one. uh, It's basically a a history of voter suppression in America. So this, uh, every review was either one star or five stars. So it was it was taken very partisan, which I'm not sure if it was or not. But uh, it basically, the it focused on Stacey Abrams, the woman who lost the governor's race in Georgia. Was it 2018? I think. Um, and a lot of that was blamed on some tricks that went on, people being purged from the voting rolls. Mm-hmm. And her opponent was the Secretary of State of Georgia, who is the person in charge of voting. So I don't know how you can Maybe. run for election and also be in charge of an election and make all the rules for the election. That doesn't seem fair, but hey, who knows? Um, so it's basically, it just kind of is a good history lesson and points out there has always been voter suppression. When the very first election ever took place in America, only 6% of people were eligible to vote. You had to be a white landowner. So the great experiment of America, democracy for all and freedom, still only 6% of the population was able to vote. So from from those humble beginnings, we've gotten a little better. 
Um, but there's still there have just there have always been people the people in power don't want voting because it could cause problems for them. So you know, in the South, when the slaves were freed, oh dear, what if they all voted? <laughs> that that could that could cause problems for the people in power. Uh, when the railroads were being built, 100,000 Chinese people in California, uh, that could be tricky if we let them decide who's in charge. Uh, Native Americans in North Dakota, when they all get settled over there. So, yeah, um, so th it's been a long history. It's not just a modern problem, and it's not just a southern problem or a racial problem. It is, you know, the people in power want to stay in power. And if they think there's a way to kind of have fewer people vote, that's always been an option for them. So, um, yeah, it just sort of laid out for me like the history of all this stuff and how we look at it in history books with with zero debate we talk about you know the, the reconstruction in the south after the civil war and there were poll taxes where you had to pay money to vote literacy tests uh in intimidation you know people would stand by the ballots like you don't really want to vote do you so and we look and we know exactly what that was and why it was done and even at the time, they would say, well, you know, the poll tax, you know, voting is expensive. we got to pay for this somehow. We, everyone should chip in. But, you know, no one even bought it back then. So we certainly don't buy it now. But, like, the same stuff's happening today, and no one calls it for what it is. It's like we are in 100% agreement on what all that was 100 years ago. But the stuff going on today, we're still like, well, you know, I don't know. It could be construed. But, you know, from just – so this just lays out all the stuff going on from maybe the most controversial the voter id laws you know you were talking about voter fraud and you have to have an, a picture id to vote the redistricting they do where they redraw and gerrymander all the districts to get the right people voting in the right places the, majority. The, way, the way they purged the voter rolls where they can just say you know if you haven't voted in a few years we're just going to cut you off so they just take away and don't even have to inform you some in some places uh, reducing the hours and closing polls and having long lines and making it more difficult to vote, uh, underfunding the elections, not training people properly, just making it a hassle, making it complicated, making it, you know, a, 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 a problem to vote. And to what's going on right now with the mail-in voting and, and demonizing it and calling it, you know, bad for democracy somehow to, to vote. But so yeah, this this is just a small numbers of ballot boxes. You get on, there's only one ballot box per. Yeah, there's places you know, being being sued right now, like you know some giant county in Texas that takes up you know hundreds of square miles, only has one box, one drop box. So yeah, this was just it's only an hour and forty five minutes, but it's very clear eyed. It's not hysterical. It just lays out kind of the his. It does a nice job laying out the history, and then it shows what's going on today. So. I don't know. It was it was it was very timely for me to 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 have a refresher course. In uh, it's uh, sickening. It makes you sick. Whenever every time I see stuff about that, it just like, oh, we're not the people that need to see it, and it, it is the problem. It's like, I don't know. We're so we're so screwed. People me, people that even, I, people that it's working for don't care. That's what I just I don't even see it as a partisan issue. It's just I've always felt that way. If the only if your ideas aren't good enough to get the most votes, you don't deserve to win. Like if you have to have fewer people vote 
because your ideas aren't popular enough. Like, get some better ideas. Don't don't make less people vote. I I, I don't see how that's controversial, but I right. But they that's just it. They want they like their ideas better. So let's make the rules crappy and change, do all this stuff so our ideas get through, even though less people care about them. That that's how why it's been like this forever because. Yeah. All that the whole electoral college and all this stuff is like the the minority gets to make the decisions because they make the rules and keep it. It just keeps going and going and going. It's like <sighs> sickening. Well, uh, speaking of American, I watched a movie segue um, about the time Greg Hefley went to band camp. Called American Pie: Colon Girls Rules. Uh, just today, I saw that on Netflix. So I was like, "Are you serious? They made <laughs> one of these." <laughs> Guys, we're all lacking something in the romance area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rule one: fix our romantic lives. Rule number two: we support our fellow women, and we won't let each other get away with our usual. <laughs> Me. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> We're using the party gas to seduce a new guy. Wow, you need to sacrifice a virgin or something? No, don't worry, you're safe. <laughs> the guy you might be looking for might be right under your oyster. I mean, it is a beautiful time to be alive, ladies. Am I right? <laughs> oh, God, yes! <gasps> ladies. Please raise your glasses. The girls rules. Yes. Yes. Oh. Greg Hefley was the diary of a wimpy kid. He I was indeed. He was. Um, but the actor that played Greg Hefley. Oh, okay. Okay. He's okay. Zachary he's Gordon uh, is, uh, he's now in American Pie Girls Rules. So um, I needed a little something lighthearted today to get me through, uh, through my work day after being depressed of everything else I watched this week. So, Netflix provided me with the latest American Pie that I did not know existed, but it was in the top ten of Netflix uh, today. Did you get some of of that WAP? You know, it's it's funny because uh, that song wasn't in it, but uh, there was some (laughs) lyrics that mentioned that um, right from the get-go. So... So guys, this is a, they took American pie and, and instead of having the four central male characters, they made them female. It's girls. Oh it's my girls. gosh. Twist. Insert Odin doesn't like a lady American pie. Um, joke. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So Odin this... doesn't like a lady stiffly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so the, that Stifler, like, was there a Stifler dad? No, but you know there was a Stifler girl. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the uh, central characters was a Stifler, um, Stephanie Stifler, in fact, and uh, very much. Man, nostalgia's gotten weird. <laughs> I know. We're nostalgic for American Pie. Wow. I will be the first to admit when those movies came out, I liked them very much. Um, I know they don't, they did not age well, but they did a nice job with this, with this version of it. 
it was silly and crude and all those things you would imagine it would be, but it did. It was very, it it gave me a little bit of nostalgia towards the first two or three movies and it was better than I thought it was going to be. I don't know if it was good enough, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. And, uh, so it's pretty much the same storyline. You have the four girls, they make a pact to lose their virginity at the, instead of prom this time, because it's the beginning of the school year, they, they're going to have a, uh, a morp dance, which is prom spelled backwards. And instead of getting dressed up, you wear your pajamas and stuff to the dance. So their homecoming dance is a morp dance, and and that's their goal is to all lose it before then. And uh, it's good, not good enough, but better than you thought it was going to be. So now, how long will it be before these morp dances start popping up everywhere? It's got to already be a thing. Morp, yeah, that when I was in high school. Yeah, I I hadn't heard or hadn't experienced that, but it, I I just assumed it it was already a thing. Um, also, by the way, um, there is a surprise cameo. The school janitor is played by Danny Trejo. Yeah, who doesn't have? I don't think he had an a line through the whole movie until like the credits. So I don't know what the purpose of him being there was, but he was in there. Um, I you know. So, all right, sounds great. <laughs> um, it'll lighten the mood. Hey, I heard a book was getting turned into a movie. So yes, I have another book in the same episode. A book that was hot on the list bestsellers was called The Chain. Here it is, The Chain, by a- Adrian McKinty. And it's just like, feels very Dean Koontz, I guess. Just very like, uh, some crazy stuff's going on and these people got to figure out how to get out of this situation. And um, very, I don't know, pulpy is the right word, but just like, almost feels like trash novel. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I'd re- the only reason I had any interest in it was because I heard that Edgar Wright had got involved to make the movie. He really wanted to make the movie. And I'm going to tell you the plot. And I, it didn't feel like an Edgar Wright movie because it's not funny. It is not a funny book. This, the whole plot is this woman, her child gets kidnapped and the chain is that you, then someone calls you and says, well, we've got your, I've got your kid. Now you have to go, kidnap someone else's kid and then I'll get my kid back. That's a very black mirror sort of right. Yeah, and there's, hey, there, there's an overall person like making these people do this and you know you just continue it. You have to blackmail the next person on down the line to get your kid back. And it's dark. It is a dark I mean you're talking about kidnapping kids and you know it's like it wasn't bad. It had a very movie ending to it. You know, it was just like, or, you know, action packed climax, whatever. But I, could, I kept thinking like, how is 
Edgar Wright going to do this? Because it's not funny, you know. But uh, what he could make it funny. I could totally see this dark action. Then it started to like come together for me, thinking about the stuff he had done, and uh, you know, even you know, Shaun of the Dead is dark and bloody, but it's funny as heck. So I could totally see him. I hope that I kind of hope that's what he's going to do with it because I don't know how much fun this movie would be otherwise. Anyway, kind of. So, but I'm calling now the pro- person I pictured the whole time, even though this I don't think she's ever even been in one of his movies. But it's that other that movie she was in um, of making Blair's a couple years ago. I don't belong in this world anymore. Or something. Uh, Melanie oh, yeah. Linsky. Mm-hmm. I I could totally see her as the main woman in this. And her being like, you know, even if it like Simon Pegg uh, could play her like brother character that helps her out, just like I could see them being really funny together in a, while some dark stuff is going on. So I'm calling now, Melanie Linsky, Simon Pegg, in this movie. The book wasn't bad; it was pretty trashy though. Didn't... And that that Fleetwood Mac song playing over the credits. Oh yeah, yeah. If they can afford it. <laughs> Okay, is that it for the movies? That's all I. I haven't done a one job in a while, so we threw one of those out this week. Ooh, true. Hey, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Talking about movies, like, are we talking like Netflix movies? Yeah, I watched uh, that movie on Netflix. Sure. Yeah, sure. one he just talked about was the next. I don't feel good for some reason. I'm like completely zoning out here, so I apologize. But um, have any of you guys checked out the Enola uh, Holmes or whatever it is? Is that a movie? I watched yeah. that. Yeah. It's really good. Now, where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. And yet, we were always together. It was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes. The famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. And Nola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes the head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. Who will make her acceptable for society? She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Anola. Yours or the path others choose for you. Uh, we we watched it um, as a family the other day. We were looking for that type of movie. And it was uh, a surprise. Billy Bobby Brown? Yes. yes. Surprisingly well done. I don't know why I thought that was a series that they were in, but I guess. And Henry Cavill has a very stiff Sherlock Holmes. Very muscular Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> Is like, a mustache? No mustache. No. So, what a yeah, waste. It, it, it was really good. It had, um, oh, what the heck is her name from all the Tim Burton movies? Helena Bonham Carter? Yes. Yep. As the mother of the Holmeses. Right. And uh, Enola Holmes is uh, Sherlock Holmes's younger sister. And after uh, the mother disappears, 
um, she's left alone and she goes out on an adventure um, rather than stay home and go to boarding school um, or finishing school. Yeah. Well, cause we find out there's another Holmes brother that it, that wants to make her a proper lady. Right. And, uh, but Millie Bobby Brown was, I thought she was really good in it. I, I, what? I did enjoy it. It didn't feel, um, cheap, uh, lesser budget Netflix. It felt like they put some money into it. It had a, it had a really good script. Um, the costume and everything, it, it felt, uh, you know, it gave you the sense of, uh, the, the era it was supposed to be in and, uh, with London and everything. And I, I it seemed it like they had a lot of fun making this movie, like the whole cast involved in it. It seemed like everyone was really into it. It did seem like, that way. It, it was very well acted. And even with her, like, supposedly she was 22, I guess, in the in the movie. But, I mean, she came off acting more like a 14, 15-year-old, I would say. But, I mean, the way that she was raised, she she was... She, she didn't know anything about the outside world. So that was like her introduction of trying to go find her mom and being naive and, and kind of getting taken for her, but also having the wits of Sherlock where she could kind of outwit most people that she would come up, come across that would uh, try to do her harm. But I, I could see very well that it would, it would open up the doors to like a series of these movies. Yeah, I could too. And if nothing else, it proved that Millie Bobby Brown is capable of being of of being a movie star of of holding her own and being the headliner right there. That's that's what I took away from it. Well, it it sounded like she was executive producer or like like she was the person that uh, that was behind making this movie. I know that. I can, hmm. I can't remember what her exact title was, but she's the one that like had this idea and like brought it forth. Was it like a PG family movie or was yeah. it a dark, gritty reboot kind of thing? It, it was a family movie. I mean, there's there's action scenes that um, there wasn't anything crazy about them. I'll tell you what it, it kind of felt like to me. I know this isn't a movie, but it kind of felt like young Indiana Jones to me, the the, the series from the 90s. I can see that, but it was very well produced and and had a you know really good strong cast with it, and it was just fun. Like uh, I could watch two or three of those, and yeah. yeah, that. But that's what it reminded me of is a lot of like Indiana Jones, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So I liked it. Right, so if we don't have any more movies, oh wait a minute! Now go ahead. That's not in. We could do one job. One job forever? Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm gonna do it. Okay? You tosser! You had one job to do. Jeff Goldblum has been trending all this week for some reason. I think it started with an unexpected visitor during a vice presidential debate. And then a photo came out, I think just today, of him on the set of the new Jurassic Park mm -hmm. looking, you know, 
looking suave he's, in his, in that his classic, shirtless. Yeah, that classic pose. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I we thought we would t- try to tackle Jeff Goldblum's one job, the one role that would define him and then get rid of everything else. So only one survives. If one sur- one Jeff Goldblum role survives the apocalypse to tell future generations what Jeff Goldblum was, we have to pick it. I feel like we kind of had a little bit of this discussion at some point because I know that whatever it was sparked me to buy the flock. Hmm. Was Jared on once or something we talked about? It? It's one of his favorite topics. He's very passionate <laughs> I mean, about the flock. I, I know that he didn't, I didn't actually buy Witness, but I did buy the fly. <laughs> and um, I did, I did record and watch Witness though after he went on one of his things. Did, but, did, uh, you, did you check the journal to make sure we hadn't done this before? That's a good <laughs> question I've, I've got it handy let's see here uh, i don't know anyway we uh <laughs> i honestly i'm kind of scared well if we know. can't remember the listeners aren't gonna remember. yeah they don't know yeah right all right so we threw it out as a poll one of the many many perks you get for being a patron uh had a few votes let's see jared obviously voted for the fly Jesse, a first vote thrown out for Jurassic Park, Ian Malcolm. And then Justin voted for... I just had to throw an option for just being all Jeff Goldblum 24-7. Just living that Jeff Goldblum life is, is yeah. what he is, is should be mm-hmm. known for. Keeping it real. What other options so Je- were there? Uh, the let me see here. There was Earth Girls Are Easy. Was that an option? Yeah. They change. They don't. They don't put them in. I, I enter them in chronologically, but they don't leave them there. So I start with uh, Nashville. He was the tricycle man in the Robert Altman movie, where it's a huge cast of characters, and it's one of his first roles. I don't even know if he has a line in it, but he just rides around on like a, this giant three-wheeled motorcycle, and you just see him in the background, and and he just he's just Jeff Goldblum and a you know, dressed like the '70s riding a motorcycle, and he's amazing. Uh, Buckaroo Bonsai as New Jersey, the cowboy. Scientists at the Strategic Space Command have detected a mysterious radioactive cloud-like mass over southern New England. Senate sources close to the National Security Consortium have refused to comment. All right, let's get on back to three great modern country hits in a row. Sydney, Buckaroo, how's the patient? Oh, fine. He's doing fine. Thanks to you. But more importantly, congratulations. You drove through a mountain. I did. You drove right through a mountain the other day. You did it right after you left me with the operation. You hadn't even said anything about it. Didn't even uh, mention S- you were going to do Sydney, it. Sydney, these are my friends. This is my colleague, Dr. Sydney Zweibel, old medical friend from Columbia PNS. Howdy. Howdy, dear. Listen, Sydney, I'm glad you could make it because it looks like we may need an extra hand sooner than I thought. Aha, uh-huh, I see. An extra hand. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. I mean, I got your message about rendezvousing at this address. Barely had time to pack my saddlebags. Then I came here and I, I could see that. Uh. Well, I'm going to snoop around, make yourself at home. Okay. Uh, you know, I thought we were going to rehearse or something. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of all you guys. I love the comic books and the records. I know you. You're Pecos. Perfect Tom. Perfect Tommy. I'm sorry. You're, you're Pecos. Uh, Pecos in Tibet. Name's Reno. Reno. It's an honor. Where do you Perfect. hail from, Doc? Uh, New Jersey. Fort Lee. Uh, where are your spurs at? 
Uh, Fortlandia, he was a recurring character on there. I kind of put that in to fill in for all his sort of sketch comedy or, you know, uh, online videos, shorts that he does. Earth Girls Are Easy. Thor Ragnarok as the Grandmaster. Independence Day, David Levinson. The Big Chill, probably his breakout role, I would think. I love um, that movie. Yeah, it's good. The Grand Budapest Hotel and all the many films in that uh, from that director. So yeah, those were the ones in the poll. And there's always an other. You can always you can always write in a vote. So Jesse said he'd never seen The Fly, but could understand arguments for it. But can't tell us how many times he's quoted Ian Malcolm. So if he had to give Jurassic Park the vote, I I'm right there with you. How do you know they're all female? Does somebody go out in the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. But we simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, so the kind of control you're attempting is... Uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but... Uh, oh, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Justin said it's extremely difficult for him not to vote for Earth Girls. So I'm not sure why he didn't. It's, it was his right <laughs> as a patron. That's how you vote twice. You get to, you vote your vote, and then you also <laughs> say what well, was hard not to vote. And then Jared wrote an essay about why he picked the fly. Again, that was it was a very well put, and I it made me get the fly Blu-ray out that I had bought. And set it out, and I was gonna watch it today, and I didn't have time. Maybe it was one of our horror movie discussions or something. I don't know. I, I do remember. feel like we're just random. It was probably just a random Jeff Goldberg. Discussion. Yeah, I do feel this, like this he happened. went on like some sort of diatribe. About I remember him talking about it, and I was like, "Yeah, that is really good." It's been a long. I mean, I've I've seen it a couple times, but it's, it has been a minute. And so I thought I would watch it again for this, but I didn't have time. I don't so know. He, he says Jeff Goldblum is always great in everything, but he's of the opinion Seth Brundle and The Fly is one of the great underrated bits of acting in history. They don't give awards for messed up horror genre flicks, but if they did, he'd have won them all. He really plays about seven different roles in this one. And there's a spoiler alert for what happens in The Fly. But, you know, he starts as a nerdy scientist, then he becomes the insecure, in love, lovey dovey guy. Then he becomes a roided up alpha jerk. Then the scared, lonely, dying guy. Then the quippy, accepting his fate, half fly guy. Then the super creepy, dangerous insect guy. And then the full on covered head to toe makeup brundlefly. So he says it is really something. Plus the insect politics scene with Gina Davis, which he was kind enough to include a YouTube clip. I came to tell you. Um. I I just I wanted to see you before 
have to leave now. And never come back here. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, uh, but oh, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm saying. He was a man. I loved it. But now the dream is over. And the insect is awake. No, sir. I'm saying... I think we were talking about Gina Davis. Ah, ah, that is what it is. Thank yeah. God. I I knew there was, I knew we had talked there's, about it. There's yeah, the connection. Right. Thank, great job, everybody. We're done. <laughs> he called that one scene the one of the most chilling things I've ever seen and a far cry from his lovable goofball characters he usually plays. Which that's, yeah, that's what he's best known for is the, oh, wow, well, quirky guy. But yeah, that the fly is a total departure from that. You guys remember Transylvania six five thousand? I don't know that one. Really? It, sound, it sounds familiar. I never saw it, but I know oh, it that's a classic. How do you? You're a big horror guy, Michael. How do you feel about The Fly? Honestly, like, man, I haven't watched it since I was a little kid. Like, it, it makes me want to go back and, and actually watch it with adult eyes to see how intense it is. But I, I mean, I remember thinking it was awesome when I watched it as a kid. Like the 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 effects at the time were pretty cool, and just the the, the concept of the like trying to create a teleport teleporter, mm-hmm. um, it was yeah, it was I, crazy. I don't think I've seen it for many many years either. I'll I remember the pods, yeah, and I remember like him being all gross and like throwing up. That that image is like burned in into my brain somewhere. How gross that was! But yeah, I'm gonna it, make uh, that's, I'm gonna that's make Mick watch it here soon. And it works on that level as when you watched it as a kid in the '80s, the gross out horror level. And then I think as an adult, you might see something different about aging and disease and decay. And you know, I think uh, it's a yeah, it's a it's a great performance. It, it's def, as far as what he can do. You know, that is a great vehicle, that movie. It's in my top ten, but I don't know if it's my one job. Because like I said, it's not his typical... He's not being very Jeff Goldblum-y in it. 
Yeah, and I think that might be my problem. Like, I think he's excellent in that movie, but I think it might just be... He's not doing what he's known for. Yeah, he, he he's being too much... He's too good at that character, and not there's not enough Jeff Goldblum shining through. And I'm not sure... You might be able to say the same thing about Jurassic Park, couldn't you? Like, he's like such a cool... Like, he was... He's a mathematician. He's like wearing leather pants. Like, how do you make a mathematician like the coolest guy in the room? Well, he did it. So, like, I don't, I don't know. But he's again, he's not. I don't know. It's in some ways, it's like the prototypical Jeff Goldblum, and in other ways, it's 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 kind of a whole different thing. Have any of you guys seen? Thank God it's Friday. It's from. Are you just looking for random Jeff Goldblum movies over there? Pretty much. Finally. It's from 1978, and it's like a disco club, and he's he he play he's actually very Jeff Goldblumy in it because he's like trying to get the these chicks in the to come into the um, disco with them, and he's like got this I think he has a Corvette, and he's trying to be all ultra cool, but he's like coming off super nerdy. Yeah, I don't know what what's. Let me ask, what's the example then for what you would call prototypical Jeff Goldblum? What? I I don't know. Like, I almost want to say just him on any talk show ever. Yeah, because I, he, when I, I yeah when I think what 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 you think of as Jeff Goldblum is just Jeff Goldblum. Right. What you see in like the Disney Plus show. Yeah. Or any time he's on Conan or the Tonight Show, like he those it's almost gotten because to become a shtick like those like 10, 15 years ago when he was on Conan, it was some of the funniest things you'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. What, you, what was that? You were just scatting there for a second. Uh, that's of course, Thelonious Monk's great tune. Uh, straight, no chaser. That's me. I came to this town. Was not a chaser around. I came to get straight. I had to get straight. I had no time to wait. You know the lyrics to that? There are lyrics to that. Wow. Incredible. Thank you. Incredible. Uh, you know, you strike me as a guy that always has music playing in your head. Whenever I see you, you're smiling and you sort of drift around. And there, there's a happy little musical going on in your head at all times. Is that true? Yes, it is. <laughs> you're such a happy guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, look at you. You look spectacular. What, what ha- what's happening? What do you mean? Uh, married guy. Oh, <laughs> I don't mean it that way. Oh, oh you mean I just thin. look good? Well, how do I look? I look uh, well, you I mean, look thin as a rail. You look absolutely wonderful. This is incredible. Thank you. Your, your sideburns have grown a little long. Longer, I think, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have. Your hair is doing something absolutely wonderful. Look at absolutely that. I don't, wonderful. You know, there are some days when the hair has a th- uh, something's going on with the hair. I don't know what it is. It's is a, today a day? I don't even know anymore. It's right? beautiful. It's so high and absolutely beautiful. And look at that. Now you're touching me. Look, look at that. Look at that. Hmm. What, what, what's happening? Interesting. And look at that. And, <laughs> and that, that's a very festive time. Yeah, Bubble, thank bubbles, you. Well, this records, is. Bubbles, yeah. This is. I, I, they put it, this on me before it's a clip on. But now it's become like, oh, Jeff Goldblum's so hilarious. Do something weird. Touch my finger. Or what are you like? They, he just like, Conan just like pushes him. Here, put on some, put on a funny hat and say something weird. Like, so it's not as natural as it was. But yeah. I don't know. He would just sit down and say something very philosophical or just he'd be talking and be like, wow, those lights are strange. Like he would just go on a whole weird tangent. And it was amazing TV to just, in that moment, yeah. I will always remember something Conan said years and years ago where he was complimenting him about his acting. And he said, you know, the, the eye goes to Goldblum. 
So he was talking about like if there's a cast of characters, you you always see no matter what he's doing, the eye goes to Goldblum, and that's something else I think of all the time. Anytime I see him, he's just he's always interesting. There's a uh, what I, oh uh, the Woody Allen movie, Annie Hall. It was one of his first movies, and he has one line in it. He was he was an unknown actor. It was just like a party scene. And I rewatched it a couple years ago. I did that hundred movie thing. I was like, eh, I don't know how well, you know, the Woody Allen stuff. He's been canceled. I don't know how well this is going to hold up. And literally, the only the only line that made me laugh in the whole movie was Jeff Goldblum's line, as a complete unknown actor with one with one line in a movie. So there there is just something special about him in anything he does, whatever kind of role it is. So it, it it's hard to pick. Is that Jurassic Park's probably his best known most quoted most memeable sort of thing but yeah like the thor he, yeah that's thor that's, ragnarok's kind of would be his modern iteration of that, yeah that's pretty jeff goldblumy yeah yeah on a side note his first starring role was in 1974 death wish as freak number 1 <laughs> freak number 1 Tricycle Man was his third third role, huh. and he does not like he does he'll 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 do like he did a he'll, he'll do voices on cartoons he'll do guest spots on you know Adult Swim type shows or Funny or Die type stuff so he's he seems to be up for anything his his Disney Plus show is fun he just yeah. goes out and walks around and talks to people so I don't know just he's just he's an interesting character but I'm. I am having a hard time kind of nailing down one one role here. Well, I, it's not a contest for me. I, I I'm trying to think though. The old, probably the only movie in my top 100 that I released was uh, was Jurassic Park. I'm looking there. I don't say. And if we say Ian Malcolm, you get all the sequels he's in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I don't um, know how much there I were. have quoted. That character a bazillion times. I'm like Jesse. That I don't. There's probably very few characters I've quoted more than that one. You know, I've said that's one big pile of like a million zillion times. You know, it's it just we must go faster. We must go faster. (laughs) Just he was just perfect through the whole movie, and perfect in a perfect movie is is my sweet spot and I don't want to change that movie for nothing. So one big vote for Jurassic Park. I would be fine with Jurassic Park. Yeah. I do enjoy the Disney plus series a lot, but some, some episodes I do feel like he's been, he's a little too into it. Like he, it feels like he's trying really hard sometimes to be that guy. Um, he's outliving it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my initial thought, I think the fly is very good. I think that is, um, that, that is something that I, I don't know that if they redid it today, they could make a better version of that movie than they did in the eighties. Um, but for me, I think, think it is Jurassic Park. Well, we didn't have a consensus from our patrons, so they, they normally get a vote as a block. 
They kind of split the vote. So, Michael, did you have a a dissenting opinion, or are you with us on Jurassic Park? Uh, Sure. (laughs) All right. Uh, Sure. Yeah, sure. So... I I was going to say the Buckaroo Bonsai, because that was... To me, that was my first, like, first introduction to him being Jeff Goldblum or whatever, just the way he comes on as part of that group as the newcomer, and now he's, like, kind of bumbling his way through it. Um, I mean, it's fine. There's yeah, most yeah. things he's pretty good in, but I'm trying to think of the iconic something that is important to me. It, it doesn't have to I, – I don't want – I've never wanted this to be what is – their iconic role as much as what is Kapow's iconic right. choice of that. I just feel that's just too. That's Michael, too this is it. the beauty of one job is it we don't all have to vote for the same thing. And trust me, I, I've been the one that hasn't voted for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah if, if there's something you feel like stands out, then yeah, that's a, what you freak, want to vote for. Freak one is your jam. <laughs> it's a good like, thing Jeff Goldblum wasn't in Space Camp or Cliff would have oh, That's yeah. true. Are we sure he gonna... wasn't in that? He might have been. <laughs> he played an alien. Okay, so in the annals of history, Dr. Ian Malcolm. Uh, see, the Tyrannosaur uh, uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules. The essence uh, of chaos. Still not clear on chaos. Oh, oh, it, it, it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability and complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings and be king, and in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I did I go too fast? I, I go too fast. I did a flyby. No, give, me, give me that glass of water. We're going to conduct an experiment. It should be still. The car's bouncing up and down. But that's okay. It's just an example. Now, put your hand flat like a hieroglyphic. Now, let's say a drop of water falls on your hand. Which way is the drop going to roll off? Over which finger or over the thumb or the other side? Thumb. Let's Aha. Okay. Okay. Now, freeze your hand. Freeze your hand. Don't move. I'm going to do the same thing. Start with the same same place again. Right. Which way is going to roll off? Let's say back. Same way. 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 Same Jeff Goldblum's tombstone. I'm okay with that. That sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. I'm with it. How long has this episode went? One hour. One hour. Should we just wrap it up there and call it a night? I'm okay with that. Let's do it. All right. I hope you got something out of that. I hope you (laughs) enjoyed... <laughs> now Whatever imagine happened. Jeff Goldblum delivering that line. Yeah. Ah. Mm, mm, oh, mm. <laughs> yeah. You got something out. All right. So yeah, that was fun. Yep, we we will we'll get back to you shortly with some other stuff to talk about. So just tune on into the same place some other time, and we'll be there for you. My name's Jordan Love.
I'm Cliff Barnes. I'm the illustrious Michael K. Easton. And. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Seth, bye forever. We're back, baby. Take three. <laughs> Let's start over again. <laughs> we did all Hold the time. Great job, everybody. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udamwithkpp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at The Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show, kapow, the pop culture podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to go the extra mile, please sign up to be a patron through the Podbean app or our website, www.udamwithkpp.com, to receive special content and early access to some episodes. We are grateful to anyone that chooses to contribute but please know that most of our content will always remain free, so please continue to like, comment, and share.